Revelation chapter 20, beginning in verse 1. Revelation chapter 20, beginning in verse 1. So for the first time in a long time on a Sunday morning, we are not in 1 Thessalonians. And so uh, in 1 Thessalonians, we spent uh, a couple of months looking at that. Uh, and as we've spent a couple of months looking at that, we, we've seen several things in 1 Thessalonians. We saw uh, the resurrection. We saw how uh, those those who are in Christ, the dead in Christ, will rise first. Not only did we see the resurrection, but we also saw the rapture. And uh, though the word rapture is not there, but the word rapture is a Latin word. And not only is it a Latin word, it is there uh, in the English form as being called up. And so we saw the rapture uh, of the saints that's going to take place. Not only do we see the rapture of the saints that's going to take place, we also saw uh, the day of the Lord. And as we saw all of those things, those in time events that are going to take place, the resurrection, the rapture, the day of the Lord, you know, we have to ask ourselves the question, well, then what next? Amen. What's going to happen next? And so uh, now I'm going to preach a series of messages that's going to lead us up to uh, heaven's gates and hell's flames on the what next. And so what comes next is very, very, very good for some and very, very, very bad for others. But it is all determined on whether or not today you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior or before you're called home, uh, whether or not you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So what next? We saw the rapture, we saw the resurrection, we saw the tribulation. Well, what takes place next was going to happen immediately after the day of the Lord is that Jesus is going to come down to this earth. Jesus is going to establish a kingdom here upon this earth and that kingdom is going to last for 1,000 years and he is going to rule and reign with a rod of iron. Now the word of God is extraordinarily clear about that subject. We shouldn't have to question at all whether or not there's going to be a millennial reign of Christ upon this earth. The Bible is extraordinarily clear about this. In fact, as we look in Revelation chapter 20, beginning in verse 1 it says right here it says then I saw an angel coming down from heaven holding the keys to the abyss and a great chain in his hand and he laid hold of the dragon and the serpent of old who is the devil and Satan and bound him for 1,000 years and he threw him into the abyss and shut it and sealed it over him so that he would not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were complete. And after these things, he must be released for a short time. Let's look at verse 4. It says, Then I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus, and because of the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received the mark on their forehead and their hand and they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. And so as we look at this text of scripture something that is interesting we see within Revelation chapter 20 alone uh, we see right there six times 1,000 years that time frame six times 1,000 years is, is mentioned. Now some people say you know just like they say well I don't believe in the rapture because I don't find the word rapture anywhere within the Bible word 
words there, it just raptures the Latin form of the word. And so then we say that we have another group of folks say, well, I don't believe in a millennial reign because the word millennium is not found anywhere in the Bible. Well, again, that is a Latin form. Millennium is the Latin form of 1,000 years, right? And so what we find here in the English, we find that word that in Latin is millennium. Here in English, it is 1,000 years. And six times within Revelation chapter 20 alone, it is mentioned, but we find the, 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 the teaching uh, of this earthly reign of Christ extraordinarily clear, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And so when we look at this and we begin to see, uh, first of all, what is going to take place at the very beginning of this, there's going to be another resurrection. And who's going to be resurrected during this time? Who's going to be resurrected uh, is those saints that are going to die during the time of the tribulation. In fact, Revelation chapter 7 says they're going to be an innumerable amount of people that is going to die during the time of the tribulation and their robes have been washed white. Where did they come from? They came out of the great tribulation. The Word of God makes that extraordinarily clear that they're going to come out of the tribulation. They're going to be saved during the time of the tribulation. You think about the grace of God and here in the grace of God absolutely there's going to be people that are going to be saved during the time of the tribulation. First of all, there's a whole lot of folks that have the head knowledge of Jesus right here but they have never had the heart knowledge of Jesus. They've never truly accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Maybe they were raised in church. Maybe they were raised in a Christian family. Maybe they thought they had to work for their salvation or maybe they thought, you know, whatever. Who knows what they thought but they've already always heard about Jesus and in that they've heard about the second coming of Jesus and friends, when the rapture takes place, I believe it's going to be the greatest uh-oh moment in the history of the world because there's thousands and thousands if not millions and millions of people on the face of this earth that have the head knowledge of Jesus Christ but have never truly accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and as their Savior. So I ask you today, do you know that you know that you know? I ask that question all of the time. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Not just here, but right here. Amen? And, and, it, and it shows up right there in, in those footsteps of you pursuing Jesus and you following the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So as we look at this, there's the resurrection of those who are going to die in the tribulation. Well, I just wait till the tribulation to come to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. The Bible says right here they were beheaded. They were beheaded. Every single one of them are going to die a horrible, horrible death because of their testimony of Jesus Christ and because of the Word of God. So no, you don't want to wait until the time of the tribulation to come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You want to come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior right here, right now, today, because if you wait till that time, it's going to be an awful, awful time. Not to mention there's going to be great trickery, there's going to be great deception. The Bible says even the would be fooled if it were possible. And so as we look at this, they're going to come to know Jesus Christ during the time of the tribulation. You think about that for just a minute. Those who have the head knowledge of Jesus right now and the rapture takes place, they understand what took place. They understood. They understand what happened. And so they're going to, many of them are going to come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. There's going to be 144,000 Jews with a seal of 
of God upon them. Satan's not going to be able to touch them. And they're going to be all over the world. And what are they going to be doing? They're going to be preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. You think about 144,000 Apostle Paul scattered all over this world preaching the gospel message of Jesus Christ. They're going to hear the gospel message of Jesus Christ. There's going to be an angel flying around in mid-heaven that's going to be preaching the eternal gospel. There's going to be two prophets. They're going to be camped out in Jerusalem. And the Bible says the whole world is going to see them and the whole world is going to hear them. That is the grace of God, even in the midst of all of that chaos of the time of tribulation, where God is saying, repent, come to me before it's everlasting too late. Amen? Because God wants to see people saved. And so when we see that, we see also something interesting that the Bible says that they're going to reign with Jesus for 1,000 years. So there it again, that 1,000 year time frame is mentioned for 1,000 years. But what I want to focus on this morning is that the Word of God says that they're going to reign with Him. Again in verse 4 it says that I saw thrones and they sat upon them and judgment was given to them and I saw the souls of those who have been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus and because of the Word of God those who had not worshipped the beast or His image He's not their Lord. He is not their, uh, their, their King. They knew who their Lord was. They knew who their King was and they had not received the mark on their forehead or upon their hand and they came to life and reigned with Christ for 1,000 years. So how can they reign with Christ? The reason that they can reign with Christ is because Jesus Christ is King. Amen? He's King. Now, they're going to reign under Him, but as a privilege as, as, as a, 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 a privilege as a blessing they're going to be able to reign with him now he's king of kings he is lord of lords there is no other but they're going to reign alongside him and they're going to be given that special privilege they're going to be given that special right and as we see that here within the word of god what we find very very clearly is the fact that jesus christ is king amen jesus christ is king now, the Bible tells us that there's going to come a day when every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess the very fact that Jesus Christ is Lord. Those who have not accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, as of yet, when that day happens, friends, they're going to bow and they're going to confess, but it's going to be too late for them to be saved. That's why you need to know that you know that you know today. That's why the Word of God tells us that today is the day of salvation. But oh, what a glorious day that that's going to be for those who do know Jesus Christ, those who have trusted in Jesus Christ, those who have received His blessed salvation, and those who have looked forward to His blessed hope, His second coming, His return. Amen? And so those who have experienced that and those who will live in that for not just that thousand years but for all eternity forever and ever and ever because of what Jesus Christ the King has done. He's not just going to be their King then. He's their King today. Amen? He is their Lord today right here, right now, very present time. 
So as we look at this and we begin to understand that Jesus in his first coming was rejected as king, but understand this, when Jesus comes in his second coming, there's not going to be any doubt by anyone or anything that he absolutely is king. I remind, I'm reminded of the Apostle John in Revelation chapter 1. There it was the Apostle John. And think about who is the Apostle John or who was the Apostle John. He was a beloved disciple. He is the one who laid his head upon the breast of Jesus at the Lord's Supper table. He was the one who was there at the foot of the cross of Jesus when Jesus commissioned John to take care of his mother after he had passed away. He is the one who faithfully served the Lord Jesus Christ all of the days of his life. And now in his old age, probably in his 90s, he's suffering because of the testimony of Jesus Christ and because of the Word of God. And he's on the island of Patmos suffering and this very one sees Jesus in his resurrected form sees Jesus in his revealed form sees Jesus for the very first time in all of his glory and all of his majesty even when he saw him resurrected before he saw him in a veiled state but now he's seeing him in a unveiled state for the very first time and even John the apostle John the beloved disciple Paul's at his feet as a dead man. Amen? But Jesus touched him and said, Fear not. Oh, you don't have anything to fear. But just think about those who don't know him, who have never trusted in him, who have never believed on him for salvation. You think about the fear that they're going to have. Oh, there's going to be great fear, and there's going to be great trembling and there's going to be great gnashing of teeth not just in the pits of hell but at the sight of Jesus amen but it's going to be everlasting too late for them for John he had no reason to fear because his faith and trust was in Jesus Christ for those who don't know him all they have great reason to fear and they will fear Jesus was rejected at his first coming, but I want you to understand everybody is going to receive him and understand who he is at his second coming. They're not going to have any doubt that he is the king, and they're going to receive him as king. Amen? We find here in Revelation chapter 19, beginning in verse 11, that when Jesus comes back, the Word of God says right here, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and wages wars. His eyes are a flame of fire in his head, and on his head are many diadems, or many crowns, and his name was written on him, which no one uh, except him uh, knows, and in his clothes were dipped with blood and his name is called the word of God and the armies which are in heaven clothed in fine linen uh, and white and, uh, and clean were uh, following him on white horses from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword with uh, that which he struck down the nations and he will rule with them with a rod of iron and, and, as, <clears throat> and he treads the wine presses of the fierce wrath of God and the Almighty in his robe and his thigh he has the name King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Friends, he is King of Kings and he is Lord of Lords. 
Now, there's several things that tell us within this text of Scripture that Jesus is King. There's several reasons why we understand that Jesus is King. We find there in Revelation 19 and verse 11 that He wages war. The Word of God says He wages war. It says in, again in verse 11, And I saw heaven open, and behold, white horse, and he who sat on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness He judges and wages war. So here it is, Jesus has declared war upon the nations of the world. Well, why why has he declared war upon the nations of the world? Because they have declared war against him. They've gathered from all four corners of the earth and all of the kings of the earth and all of the nations of the earth have gathered together to declare war against Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And He is going to come and declare war against them. But I want you to understand it's going to be the shortest war in all of the history of mankind. He's going to slay them with the sword that comes out of His mouth. But I want you to understand, He is righteous, the Word of God says, right here. So when Jesus declares war, you know how He's going to do it? Righteously. It's not like these unrighteous wars. It's not like when we're going after other people's oil or we're going after other people's land or, you know, we just want to, you know, uh, to, 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 to gain power or we have no idea why Russia's in Ukraine right now, right? All kinds of debate and all these unrighteous wars that we see. He does it righteously because He is the righteous King of kings. Not only that, He's the judge. We're going to see over the next couple of weeks exactly how He is the judge. So I'm not going to get into that uh, in full detail right now, but He is the judge. But again, as He judges, how does He do so? The same way He wages war, He does it righteously. You know what? He's going to wipe out all of the nations of the world because when He comes back, He steps foot upon the earth. There's not going to be any need for the nation because He is going to be King of all. Amen? There'll be only one nation, and that's the nation of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll be all under His authority, and He's going to rule and reign with that rod of iron. There it is that we see that He he is King. We can understand the fact that He is King because He is going to wage war. He's going to judge, but He's going to do it righteously we also see the fact that he strikes down the nations in revelation chapter 19 and verse 15 but we see the fact that he's going to rule them with a rod of iron verse 15 from the mouth from his mouth comes a sharp uh, sword so that with it he may strike down the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron he's going to be supreme god he's going to be supreme king No one else is going to be able to have a word in edgewise. His word is so. Nobody else is going to be able to thwart him. Nobody else is going to be able to dethrone him. Nobody else is going to be able to rise up a coup against him. He is going to rule with absolute authority. What does it mean to rule with a rod of iron? It means if you come up against me, I'm going to strike you down. Amen? That rod of iron is also used for good good purposes. You go over here, you go over here. Those sheep I want over there, these sheep I want back here. Amen? He's king. 
we go where He tells us to go. And as His children, we're going to have the desire, and we should have the desire today, to go where the Good Shepherd wants us to go. Amen? So we continue to look here in the Word of God. Not only does He uh, strike down the nations, not only does He rule with a rod of iron, but we're going to see the very fact that He has thrown the beast and His false prophet into the lake of fire. Who's the beast? That's the Antichrist. It's interesting that the Antichrist rises up to power. There's a void of power. The nations have kind of fallen apart. Everything's fallen apart at the scene. Here comes the Antichrist. He steps on the scene. He's talking about peace. Of course, it's a false peace. There's no reality to his peace. They're never actually going to see peace during this time. But he's talking about it, right? And it's all lies. It's all deceptions. And he steps upon the scene during this time of chaos and says, I've got the answers. He's the greatest smooth talker the world's ever seen but there's no action behind anything that he ever does and so they're all going to fall behind him and he will rise up a one world government but it's going to be very temporary because when Jesus comes upon the scene he's going to be cast into the lake of fire his false prophets that deceive his false prophet that deceives the world and gets people to follow after him and receive the mark of the beast, they are going to be cast into the lake of fire. Then there's no power on earth that's going to be able to stand against the Antichrist. But friends, I want you to understand Jesus is King. He is Lord of Lords. He will stand up against the Antichrist. He will cast him into the eternal lake of fire. Just like when Israel was in captivity in Egypt and it didn't seem as though there was anything that they could do, God raised up a deliverer and God put that deliverer before Pharaoh and He said to Pharaoh, let God's people go. That took a little time, but this was all to display the, the power of Almighty God. And as it displayed the power of Almighty God, what did He do? God brought the most powerful kingdom of earth down at that very time. God brought them down. We look at all of the discord that's going on here upon the earth today. We look at all of the, uh, the, the, the injustices, the unrighteousness that's going on in the world today. And we as Christians, you know, we get, we get uh, upset about those things. We kind of get, uh, you know, flustered about some of the dismay that's in the world today. And we, we get all worried about it. But we need to remember Jesus Christ is King. And he's going to straighten it all out. Some of us are saying, well, I wish it would go ahead and take place, but it's going to happen soon enough. Amen? It's going to happen soon enough. You know why? Because he is king. So, well, I don't understand why everything's happening the way it's happening today. And I don't understand why everything's happening the way it's happening today. But I do know that we serve a sovereign God. I do know that we serve a sovereign king. And one day and someday, he's going to have it all straightened out. Well, we're not going to have to worry about a thing. Not only is he going to have the Antichrist and the false prophet cast into the lake of fire, he's also going to take Satan himself. The dragon, he's going to bind him with a chain and he's going to have him cast into the abyss for a thousand years. See, Jesus has authority and power over the dragon, over Satan himself. 
People running around worried about what the devil's going to do to them or how the devil's going to attack them or how the devil's going to destroy them. Friends, greater is he who's in you than he who's in this world. Amen? We don't have to worry about anything that, 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 that the devil does or say. All we have to worry about is whether or not we're focused upon the king. Amen? And if we're focused upon the king, guess what? He's got you. He's got you. Amen? You don't have to worry about a single thing. Now as we continue to recognize this and continue to look at the fact that, that Jesus is king, and as I mentioned earlier, you know, Jesus was rejected as king when he came the first time. But when you look in the book of Matthew, and what you recognize there in the book of Matthew, uh, you know, Jesus was called king 32 times, or, uh, referred to as, uh, uh, Jesus referred to the kingdom of God 32 times. Wasn't called king 32 times, but the key, it was, uh, Jesus' kingdom was called the kingdom of God 32 times. 32 times in the book of Matthew. You see, that's the emphasis of the book of Matthew. That, that is the purpose of the book of Matthew. Why do we have four, uh, four different Gospels? The reason we have four different Gospels because we have four different viewpoints of Jesus. Matthew looks at Jesus as the king. Mark looks at Jesus as, as the servant. Luke looks at Jesus as the human being. John looks at Jesus as God. Amen? And so as Matthew is there looking at Jesus as the king, giving us the understanding and the viewpoint of Jesus as the king, what we need to understand is that Jesus isn't going to become the king when he returns one of these days. Jesus isn't going to be established as the king when he comes back in his second coming. Jesus is king today. Amen? Jesus is king right here, right now, this very present day. In fact, John the Baptist, when he stepped upon the scene, he told everybody to repent in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 2. Why? Because the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand is what he says. Jesus, when Jesus stepped upon the scene, he also preached that message of repentance. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Hand, not is to come, but is at hand. Very presence when the 12 apostles, when Jesus sent out the 12 apostles into the world and he told them to go out and preach the message of the kingdom. You know what they said? They went out saying that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We also find in Luke chapter 10 and verse 9, when Jesus sent out the 70, you know what their message was? The kingdom of heaven has come near you. In other words, it's here. Amen? The kingdom of heaven has come nigh. It's here. It is upon you. And not only does the New Testament teach that, not only does the Gospels teach that, we turn in our Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9. And in Isaiah chapter 9, we find there the truth of God's Word. And as we see the truth of God's Word there in Isaiah chapter 9, we find the great prophet. And we find this truth all over the Word of God. We find it all over the Old Testament. But it's extraordinarily clear through the prophecy of Isaiah, the fact that the coming one, the coming Messiah, who is he going to be? He's going to be the king. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 says, The child will be born to us, a son will be given to us. 
The government will rest upon his shoulders. Whose shoulders does the government rest upon? The king. Amen? The king. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Excellent Father, Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or peace. You know, it's going to be a sign of the fulfillment of the kingdom of God, of the kingdom of heaven, going to be peace. Amen? And we're not going to have peace upon this earth until the Prince of Peace returns. We get upset about what's going on in Ukraine, and we should. We, we get upset about what's going on right here in our own nation, and we should, right? That those things should bother us. We shouldn't be okay with those things. They absolutely should bother us. All the injustices going on in the world today, we should as Christians be, be the utmost that get upset about those things because we want to see justice. We want to see righteousness upon this earth. We want to see thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That ought to be our everyday prayer. Jesus told us to pray that very thing. Amen? But as we look here in the Word of God, we recognize when the Prince of Peace does come. Isaiah chapter 11 in verse 6, beginning in verse 6. And the wolf will dwell with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and the little boy will lead them. And the cow and the bear will graze, and their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like ox. And the nursing child will play with, by the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child will put his hand in the viper's den. They will not hurt or destroy in all of my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Then that day the nations will restore to the, uh, resort to the root of Jesse, who will stand as a signal for all of the peoples, and his resting place will be glorious. Isn't that a wonderful thing? That's talking about the time of the millennium. That time of here upon this earth where there's going to be perfect peace. That child is going to be able to lead the beast of the field. Y'all pray for Dale this week. Because my daughter has our grandchildren in Yellowstone National Park and yesterday they get sent us some videos of them out there looking at buffalo. And we're telling them, don't you be one of those that get put on the news because you got a little too close. Amen? Don't you be one of those. But see, during the time of the millennium, we won't have to worry about that. Amen? Because everything is going to be at perfect peace as a child. Well, leaves the beast of the field as the lion lays down by the lamb. child is even going to be able to stick his hand down into the viper's den. Not even, be, not even have to worry about it. Why? 
Because the Prince of Peace is reigning and ruling. Why do we have calamity upon this earth today? We have calamity upon this earth today. It's because flesh is ruling and reigning. Jesus is still King of Kings. Jesus is still Lord of Lords, but for a time, for a season, and that's, that season is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. He's allowing man to rule. In fact, he's allowing Satan himself to have some leeway as the prince of the power of the air. He's allowing him to have some leeway so that people today will have a choice of whether or not they want to choose the Prince of Peace or the Prince of Darkness. Who are you going to choose? Jesus told us in John 10, 10, He said that the thief who is Satan comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. He said, but I have come to give you life and to give it to you abundantly. One of those days, the Prince of Peace is going to come and He's going to establish peace. Real peace, true peace upon this earth. Today you can experience that peace by inviting the Prince of Peace into your heart. To be your Lord and to be your Savior. And even in the midst of all of the turmoil and the chaos and the calamity that's going on in the world, He'll give you that peace that surpasses all understanding. Amen? Can't, can't comprehend the peace that he gives. You can't explain the peace that he gives, but you know it's there because he's there and he's king. He's not just going to be king then, he's king today. And everybody then, oh, they're going to they're gonna follow his lordship. He's going to rule with a rod of iron, and they will follow. Of course, I believe we're going to do it willingly. Amen? Willingly. In fact, Jesus said, after his resurrection, all power and all authority has been given to me. It's been given to him already. See, today we have to make that. far as I know as you stand this morning and our praise team comes up as far as I know everybody in here this morning has made that choice already but I don't know that with 100% of certainty and if you've not made that choice today would you make that choice would you choose Jesus as king of your life Lord of your life so many people, too many people say, well, I just don't want to go to hell. Well, guess what? Satan don't want to go to hell. But he's also not going to let Jesus be the Lord of his life. Yet the Bible tells us that if we believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that he is Lord, you shall be saved. Jesus must be Lord of your life. That's a willingness to everyone who personally knows Jesus as their Savior. 
that's you today. If not, would you today, right here, right now, come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior? If you're here today and you do know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, things are chaotic in your life, there's turmoil going on in your life, friends, let us pray for you. Let us lift you up before the Lord. Let us walk with you. Turn to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Prince of peace. And he'll give you that peace that we need, that you need. One last thing, friends, heaven and hell weighs in the balance for far too many people. Would you come write names of lost people down? Put their names down in those crosses. Let's pray for them. Would you come right now? Let's pray for them. Let's take that mandate as a church serious. Heaven and hell, friends. Let's pray for them this morning. Right now, you come. Brother Keith leads in the time of invitation. Yeah.